Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. A lot to get to tonight. We're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament. The Sweet 16 is set. We're going to talk about our biggest surprises. We're also going to kind of reseed, give our thoughts on the teams that remain. We're also going to talk some NFL. The Colts have a new quarterback. We're going to discuss that as well as some other moves uh, that were made uh, around the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. But first of all, B. Scott, welcome back. I missed you. I kept your seat warm, but I missed you. Oh, that was you that kept the seat warm? Yeah. Okay. Wonder why it was like unseasonably like warm. Unseasonably hot. I was like, kind of humid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's good to be back. My one week back. I'll be gone again next week. You know, it's just that time of year. I mean, we're talking, you know, I was involved with the greatest NCAA tournament out there, the uh, college wrestling tournament. And uh, so, yeah, I'm back from that, getting ready to head off to the women's final four next. So, yeah. So, B Scott's stuff, keeping busy. Keeping busy doing all the things. Hey, we're pr- we're proud of our, our of our guy. We're proud of our guy, B Scott. So, uh, and if I say anything funny tonight, it's because I'm very much sleep deprived, <laughs> and sometimes I feel like there is a purple aardvark standing in the corner of the room because hey, I don't know. I look, just don't. that's first of all, you're gonna be like in Billy. Is it Billy Madison where he sees the penguin? Yeah, They're like yeah, it's gonna be. Oh, no, no. Like, um, or wait, or is it Tom? No, not Tommy yet. It's not Billy Madison. It is, it is Billy Madison. I was yeah. gonna say it was like because I I know where you were you thinking like Big Daddy where you going Big Daddy. No, because I was I'm getting that one. I'm getting the one where he goes back to school, and I'm getting the golf one. Oh, um, um why can't I think of the golf? Yeah, one? Happy Gilmore. There Happy we go. Happy Gilmore. That's yeah. It, yeah. So yeah, Billy Madison's one with the 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 dancing penguins. Yeah. So that's what that's what B Scott's gonna be seeing. He's not gonna be seeing me. It's gonna be he's like, man, do we have a dancing penguin on the podcast last week i can't remember um but yeah glad to have you back because we're going to be talking about you know you're covering a lot of uh, ncaa championships and we're going to talk about another one right now uh and that is the ncaa tournament uh the sweet 16 is set uh, in the opening round, you had number 11, Notre Dame, winning their first four matchup in a game over Rutgers, two overtime thriller. They advanced to the round of 32 with a 78-64 to win over number six, Alabama. Comac Ryan hit seven threes, has scored 29 points. I mean, kind of insane, uh, you know, what this Notre Dame team is able to do because, you know, we did our preview at the beginning of the year. And it was none of these names that have come to the forefront for the Irish. And yet here they are, um, you know, you know, or here they were at least getting to the uh, round of 32. Uh, number 12, Indiana loses uh, or sorry, they win their first four game over Wyoming. They lose 82 to 53 to number five, St. Mary's. They had a 21-17 lead with eight minutes to play in the first half uh, from that point, eight minutes to go in the first half to eight minutes to go in the second half. They were outscored 51 to 18. Uh, which is just insane. Biggest highlight was the IU cheerleader retrieving the ball back after it got stuck. If that doesn't make it in the one shining moment video, they a huge opportunity. Right. And it will. It will. Right. I was going to say it better, especially because like, I heard that she's got like, I like, there's a t-shirt coming out now and like got herself an NIL deal. Exactly. So, (laughs) Hey, you know what? And I mean, honestly, that made the most sense. Like, why wouldn't that be the first option to be like, Hey, I, you know, why don't you, you guys are used to being that high anyway. Why don't you guys go grab the ball? Yeah. Um, 
But uh, then we had, of course, number three, Purdue, defeating number 14, Yale, 78 to 56. Number 15, St. Peter's, the story of the tournament so far. They stunned number two, Kentucky, 85, 85 to 79 in overtime. It's funny because during that game, I was recording the Hoosier High School huddle, and all like when I got on Twitter afterwards, I didn't know what was happening. I just saw everyone sharing like gifts of peacocks. I was like, "What's happening right now?" Uh, and it was it was because what of St. Peter's. What what happened? Uh, while I was why am I not in on this trend? I, I don't feel know. Very left out. I don't know what's happening. Um, then you had of of course number twelve, Mitch, uh, number twelve Richmond upsetting number five Iowa. Of course, I had Iowa going far, so naturally they lose. Yeah. Um, in the round of thirty two, number eight UNC blows a twenty five point lead to number one Baylor, but does end up surviving in overtime, ninety three to eighty six. Goodness. Yeah, I was, I was. I wanted North Carolina to win that game, um, yeah, but but uh, you know, yeah, I was like when they. When it went to overtime, I was like, I all I always lean towards the team that like came back. I mean, why wouldn't you? They have all the momentum. They just came back from 25 points down. You know, I didn't, you know, it was crazy to think about like there was a flagrant two on one of their key players. I can't remember what his name is. And and like from that point on, it was all Baylor. So I was very surprised UNC was able to hang on. Then number 15, St. Peter's. Uh, they beat uh, Murray State en route to becoming the third 15 seed to advance to the Sweet 16. It's the second year in a row, which I didn't realize that. Number 15, Oral Roberts last year. Uh, number five, Houston defeats Illinois 68-53. to Number 11, Michigan advances to the Sweet 16 after upsets over number six, Colorado State. Number three, Tennessee. And then Purdue advances to the Sweet 16 with an 81-71 to win over number six, Texas. Jaden Ivey had 18 points. Travion Williams had 22 off the bench. And number 11, Iowa State. Up ends number three, Wisconsin, 54 to 49. I do want to point out, you know, we talked about if IU is back, they did end up making the tournament. We talked about Notre Dame. You know, I talked about in, uh, you know, our conference tournament show um, that, you know, Notre Dame might, you know, come away with a win there. Um, and, uh, you know, in the tournament, if they were to get in, they did. And then we talked about Purdue making the Sweet 16, which they did. So we were, we were pretty much all in accordance on our uh, basketball pregame show or preseason show to start the year. But, you know, a lot of this tournament's been really good so far. You've got a lot of great teams advancing, uh, you know, and so you kind of wonder as you go into the Sweet 16, because it's that first weekend that's always so chaotic. Everything kind of flows in. The second weekend, I don't want, I mean, naturally it's the worst of the three weekends because it's kind of like you don't have wall-to-wall games like you do on weekend number one and it's not you're not crowning a champion so it's just kind of there um so it's just kind of settles the toughest weekends though right it's it's the toughest but it's one that like i'm not saying i'm not hyped for it but if i'm ranking the weekends one to three it's third yeah um, Especially it, if you're a Purdue fan, this is usually the weekend of disappointment. <laughs> yeah, this is the weekend uh, that teams are are going home. Um, so, you know, talking about big surprises, I mean, you know, we've got a few of them that, you know, that you can choose from. Well, I mean, you can choose from any of them, but there's a few kind of obvious ones. You've got St. Peter's, um, you've got, you know, teams like that. But, you know, as far as biggest surprises, you know, I think it's that, you know, for me, I'll, I'll take a little bit, the, maybe the tougher route here. I'm going to say that, uh, that either number 11, Iowa State, or number 10, Miami, is going to be an Elite Eight team. Obviously, they, they play each other in the second round, so obviously one of those teams has to win. And I wouldn't have picked either of those teams to be a Sweet 16 team going into the tournament. 
Um, you know, Iowa State started the season 12 and 0. And I didn't realize that because I thought maybe they had like a, a you know non-conference schedule where they just kind of played, you know, like you and I or you know, so you're just kind of walking hey, back walk. on you and I. True, you and I, yeah. and I is a, a typically a team that you see in this tournament. Yeah, true. Um, I but I thought maybe they just kind of, you know, just kind of moseyed on through their uh non-conference schedule but no they had wins over iowa creighton and memphis which are all tournament teams um they uh you know once 2022 began and the schedule shifted to the big 12 however they went eight and 12 finished seven and 11 in the big 12 which i mean the big 12 kind of is stepped not, up it's not easy to go through the big 12. right just, yeah the, just like the big 10 the big 12 is kind of almost uh, along with maybe even the sec has kind of superseded the acc at least this season as far as being you know some of the best conferences in uh college basketball um, they did beat uh, LSU to advance to the round of 32, uh, you know, which I mean, they are going through That's a coaching a change. LSU fired their coach and then went into the NCAA tournament. Let's right. talk about like nothing to play for. Right, exactly. But then they were able to beat number three, Wisconsin, and Johnny Davis to advance to, to the Sweet 16. That was a little bit more surprising. I know we've talked a few times how like Wisconsin's like numbers are deceiving because they're like last or not last, but down towards the bottom in all the big 10 categories, as far as like, you know, statistics go. Um, but you know, what I did notice looking at Wisconsin schedules too, is that it always seems like after a big win, which I know Colgate's not a big win, but you know, after, you know, a couple of big wins, they suffer kind of a disappointing loss. So that's kind of what Iowa state falls into uh, for the Badgers. Then you've got number so, 10. Sorry. I'll tell you real quick with Wisconsin, what, predicates them what they need to be able to win is they need officials that swallow their whistles mm. um because they play they are a very physical almost dirty physical team and if they're getting called for fouls a lot which you know in the big 10 the officials are more likely to swallow their their whistles than they are in the ncaa tournament so I think that's honestly the biggest, that's a big factor for Wisconsin. I'll be honest. I, I watched one game this weekend because of time. I, you know, so I don't know if Wisconsin lost because they kept fouling, but that to me, that is like looking at like some of the standout, like watching like the, some of the Purdue games and everything, you know, those the teams that they played, I got, they drew or Purdue drew a lot of fouls. So I don't know if that in turn that hurt Wisconsin because they are a kind of dirty physical team and they got more fouls called on them than they typically do in the big 10. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I had the game on, I didn't, I wasn't like super, you know, in tune, you know, I was making the outline for the podcast, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was one of those uh, low scoring, you know, knockdown drag out type of game. So, you know, that's entirely possible that, that was the case. Um, you also have number 10 Miami in this situation as well. That's who Iowa State's going to play January 8th. Uh, they upset number two Duke to improve to 13 and three. They were five and oh in ACC play. That was, you know, kind of the midpoint, you know, before we got into the uh, into the stretch run of the season in February. That was one of the teams that we had talked about being one of the surprises of the year. Uh, but since that point, uh, they are they are ten and seven, including nine and six in ACC play. The ACC was down this year, so that's like not like oh they went through a really tough. It's not kind of like what we're talking about with Iowa State, where they went through a tough division. The ACC was not on its uh, on its normal level, and, and Miami still struggled. 
Um, they uh, and then they go to the tournament and they defeat number seven USC to advance to the round of 32. They defeat number two Auburn, who was number one for a good chunk of the season and had the case to be a number one seed in the tournament. Um, and they uh, advanced to the Sweet 16. Miami does so. I mean, these are two turn two teams turning things around at the right time, and it's emblematic of uh, March. You know that uh, one will advance to the uh, regional final. Yeah, I guess for me, the biggest surprise is how big of a letdown the Big Ten has had. I mean, this was a, a, a conference that had high aspirations to advance several teams, and it looked like they, they could. I mean, looking back, when you looked down to this season, you would if you, if you would have said the Big Ten from the Big Ten, Purdue and Michigan are in the Sweet 16. Okay, yeah. You know, but Michigan making it is kind of a surprise that with how they've played this year. And then to see Iowa get bounced in the first round was very surprising because, I mean, I was at the Big Ten championship game and they looked really good. Like this was a team poised to make a run, but it just goes to show you maybe they were riding way too high after that Big Ten championship win. And, you know, you you do crash off of those types of highs. So maybe losing in your conference championship game is a, is a better thing. I don't know, but for them to lose to Richmond, that just, it just didn't, it was like, that was the, to me, that was the biggest surprise because there was a lot of people. If you look at experts brackets, they had Iowa in the final four. I didn't have Iowa going to the final four, but I had an Iowa at least advancing to the sweet 16. I didn't think they would lose that early. So it, it was, a, it was a shock. That was my biggest surprise. Just how under, performing the big 10 has been now. I mean, obviously some of the things like Michigan state losing to Duke. Okay. That, you know, yeah, that happens. Um, you know, Wisconsin losing is kind of a surprise as well. Not really at the same time. I actually, Oh, I know I did have Wisconsin beating Iowa state. I did have Iowa state advancing to the second round, but I didn't have them going any farther than that. So yeah, I mean, entertaining first weekend. I'll say that. I mean, it was had it had, had all the storylines you need, um, and it sets up for a really good Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. I will say uh, on the Purdue front of things, that bracket could not have opened up any better. <laughs> True. Like Purdue fans say every year, it's not about who you play; it's about when you play them, and also it's not about like your seed; it's about how the bracket falls, and. This honestly is the best chance for Purdue, even even better chance than when they were two seconds away from making the final four a couple of years ago <laughs> and failed to. But yeah, this it's kind of opening up perfectly as long as they stay poised and, you know, focused because that could be their big that for Purdue. The only thing that's going to stop them from getting to the final four is them. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, so is Purdue, Purdue and uh, so Purdue uh, looking at the matchup on in the east bracket? If you're a Purdue fan, you're definitely pulling for North Carolina to beat UCLA because you've already beaten North Carolina once this year, and um, that was with one of their better players who's now out. Um, a guy that actually torched Purdue, I think, for like 31, he, he's out uh, with an injury now. So you're hoping more along the lines for North Carolina, just because you feel like UCLA can get hot. Um, I do feel like though, if Purdue met UCLA, Purdue's size would be 
a huge, huge advantage. And UCLA may be, be without their top scorer who went down with a, a pretty bad high ankle sprain. So I hate yeah. saying that. I'll just be honest. I hate saying that. Like, come on. He went down with a high ankle sprain. I just got done covering a tournament where there were guys wrestling that were trying to win championships with no ACLs. Like they tore all their ACLs and they're like, yeah, I'm still going to compete. Like it's a championship where a guy won a national championship several years ago after he broke his ankle in the match, he kept wrestling and won. I sprained my ankle. I can't play for a month. Um, Purdue and Michigan are the only two big 10 teams left. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. After having, after after having nine bids um, to the tournament, which I mean, they, I mean, that's just kind of the carnage too, because there's multiple in each, you know, right. bracket and that kind of thing. Um, but, but yeah, honestly though, I'd almost rather if I'm a Purdue fan, like, first of all, I'm just going to say it. I know we talked about it a little off air. I'd be a little nervous about St. Peter's just because of the, just because of the magical element of, yeah. uh, of, of March, but also I'd almost rather play UCLA just because, because UNC is so Jackal and Hyde, like we saw in the Baylor game. When they're on, they're on. When they're off, like the last 10 minutes of that, you know, second half, they're off. So you don't know what UNC team you're going to get. I'd be more, I'd be more willing and more apt to want to face a UCLA team that is a, is a little bit down from where they were last, like in last season's run. And also, I mean, not, they beat you Akron and St. Mary's, which are good teams, but they, they didn't overwhelm you with their wins in those. And two actually games. a lot of people had picked St. Mary's to beat UCLA actually. Yeah. So for them to pull that off, I will say this though. I get I, I'm I I'm leaning more like yeah. If you're Purdue fan, you should want UNC to win. But if you think about it, you are right. UCLA is the better matchup for Purdue. One also because you're playing these games in Philadelphia. If you're playing UNC, that's not that far of a drive. I mean, it's far, but it's still not that far <laughs> of a drive for UNC fans. They will make that trip. Yeah, but do you really think a ton of UCLA fans are going to fly across the country to Philadelphia? No, most likely not. Most likely not. So, I think it's a better matchup for you uh, because of location and whatnot. I, but yeah. So I, there's there's points both ways, but you are right. Kind of be worried about St. Peter's, but at the same time, like I told you off air. Typically, when you see these types of runs, a majority of the time, the magic ends for like a seed, like a 15 seed in the second weekend. And look, yeah, they beat Kentucky. Kentucky's a really good team. Kentucky plays AAU ball, though. Like it's highlight reel, look at me, flashy, big dunks, you know. And if that's not happening, then they they crumble. You know, Murray State is more like, evenly matched maybe a little bit better than St. Peter's. Um, but what's going to be tough for St. Peter's against Purdue is, okay, you got Zach Eady. All right. He's on the bench. Well, guess what? Here comes Travion Williams. And while you're trying to figure out how, how to handle all of that size, boom, there goes Jaden Ivey flying past you to the rim, you know, and then at the same time, it's like, oh, well, you know, Kentucky had size and good athletes. And well, like I said, Kentucky plays AAU ball. Purdue plays team ball. It's a lot harder to beat a good team that plays team ball than a team that plays highlight real AAU ball. So yeah. it's like, I, I know 
the entire country is going to be rooting against Purdue. It's going to be Purdue versus everybody else because they all want to see St. Peter's keep moving on. That's just, that's just natural. I just, I don't see it happening though. I don't. And honestly, when I saw the way the bracket was unfolding, I honestly thought the biggest stepping stone for Purdue to get to the final four was going to be that second round game against either uh, North or against either Texas or Virginia tech. I thought they offered better matchups for uh, it was going to be a place for Purdue to stumble. It was going to be there because those two teams are kind of like Purdue's Achilles heel. Um, but if Purdue continues to play the way they did against Texas, and if that three-point shot starts falling for Sasha Stefanovic, which it should eventually, I mean, water's got to level off at some point. Um, it's going to be, they're going to be a tough team to, to out. Quickly here. Uh, quickly here, we're going to seed the Sweet 16. Uh, we're just going to go through this here. Uh, B. Scott, tell me where we have uh, dissenting uh, arguments here. Uh, so reseeding the uh, the remaining 16 teams, 1 through 16. Number one, I've got Gonzaga, the number one overall team. Uh, and they they you know kind of breeze through. I mean they had a little, little tougher time with Memphis. Through Memphis, uh, or, um, Memphis is a really good nine seed, though. Yeah. They were um, a really good nine. Number uh, number two, Arizona, both the Zags and Wildcats have played better second round uh, competition. Uh, I've got number three, Kansas. Number four, Duke. I've got, I've got that's where I'm dissenting. You have you have a dissenting there? Yeah, I've got uh, Duke at three and then uh, Purdue at four. Yeah, see, I, I, I was uh, not impressed with Kansas and their win over Creighton. And Creighton was without their big man, Ryan Kalkbrenner. So I, that, I don't know, like Creighton, Creighton was just on a, has been on a run. I was going to say they hit like the, they were like the worst three point shooting team in the big East and had like one of their best three point shooting games against Kansas. Yeah. Who does Kansas play this weekend? Providence. Providence. I can see Providence winning that game. Really? See, I've, I've yeah. not been high on Providence, as you'll as you'll see in the <laughs> going down the list here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can see that. I have Kansas I up there just because they're Kansas. Uh, when I'm looking at my tiers, though, I'm looking at Final Four potential. Yeah. I don't see Kansas making the Final Four. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I've got Duke number four, number five produced for me. Um, you know, their win over number six, Texas, is the most impressive amongst two and three seeds. The Longhorns were ranked 25th going into the tournament. They do have a head-to-head win over Virginia, or sorry, over Villanova, who I have at number six. Um, number seven for me is Texas Tech. Uh, then I've got North Carolina at eight. Uh, they won eight of their last ten to end the regular season. They lost to Pitt and eventual ACC tournament champion Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. Then they go off and uh, win against number one Baylor. Uh, they're like I said before, their two halves were very emblematic of what their season has been. Where you know, like I said, when they're on, they're on, and when they're off, they're they're just off. Yeah. Um. Oh, looking at the second half, uh, number nine, Michigan for me. I've got Michigan really impressed me in the first two weekends of the tournament or first two games of the tournament. Uh, they've been up and down all season, lost to IU in the Big Ten tournament, but they did upset number six, Colorado State, which I'm, I wasn't too high on Colorado State, but <laughs> I, I mean, it's still an upset technically. And then yeah. um, they, but the bigger of the two games was, was against number three, Tennessee, who I mean, I, heck, I had Tennessee in the national championship game. So really? um, yeah, I had Tennessee going pretty far. I just, I believed in what, and what they were doing. 
feeling. Um, and so therefore, if, if anyone, you know, fill out their bracket after the show uh, last week, they knew uh, to not pick Tennessee. <laughs> um, so you, know, you got the crash kiss of death in there. Um, uh, then I have Providence at number 10. Like I said, I'm not super high on Providence. Just when, you know, you know, the, the midcourt madness guys talked about it last week, they are one of the luckier teams. Uh, you know, when you look at kind of that factor and they play in a big East, which is not the big East of old. I mean, obviously it's completely different almost, but it just, it, it doesn't play Villanova though. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got Houston at number 11. Uh, they're 15. Yeah, I have, I have Houston higher. I, I have more faith than Houston. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. That's a tough one. That, that's a team that like I had Illinois winning that game. Yeah, me too. But I mean, and not, so not only did they beat them, they beat them by 15. And you also forget that I forgot about this. Houston was in the final four last year. Yeah, I did forget about that. See, I, when I, read, <laughs> I, I read an article. I was like, it says uh, Kelvin Sampson and his Houston Cougars team are primed to make a back-to-back runs to the final four. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait did a minute. The, did they make the final four last year? I'm like, oh, yeah. They, Would they have had did. to get beat by Baylor. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then I've got uh, UCLA at 12, uh, Arkansas at 13, St. Peter's. You know what? I'm putting them at 14. I know, I know theoretically they're, I, you know, I just look, I get caught up in it. I'm yeah, like, you know yeah. what? I, uh, I, I just, St. Peter's is going to get their doors blown off. Yeah, Friday. But they do have the most w- impressive one of the tournament so far being number two, Kentucky. And as a Purdue fan, like I said, it's, it's not out of the question to see uh, them in the elite eight just because, just because of that, you know, it's March. You just kind of shrug your shoulders and say it's March. We don't who knew who saw this team coming. Uh, and then I've got Miami 15, Iowa State 16. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there. I'm surprised you had UCLA down as low as you did, especially considering their matchup with North and considering, Carolina. And considering that I have the I had them in my final four at the beginning of the year, too. Yeah. But. So that one's a little bit surprising. I think UCLA is should be higher on this list. Now, I think they should be more like around the eight, nine range, to be honest, just because, I mean, they are, this is a team that is another team that's making a run for back-to-back final fours as well. So, but otherwise I, I agree with that list. Yeah. I just kind of, I, I did go quite a bit on seeding and then only move teams up based on like what they've done in the tournament so far. I think we both had just kind of different approaches as far as like you wanted to go more of the future. And I was kind of seeding them as far as where they are right now. Well, even um, if you looking at where they are right now, I would definitely, I would still put Purdue higher just because that win over Texas was impressive. Yeah. Um, considering if you look at the way Purdue has played here recently, that was, it was impressive because it looked like that was what we saw there was what we saw of Purdue earlier this season. We saw glimpses of that. Do you have Purdue over Duke too? No, no, no. Okay. No. I yeah. had Duke at three and Purdue at four. Um, so what was your complete list then? Go through your complete list real quick. All right. So one Gonzaga, two Arizona, three Duke, four Purdue, five Kansas, six Villanova, seven Texas Tech, eight UCLA, nine Providence, 10 Houston, 11 Michigan, uh, 12, North Carolina, 13, um, Arkansas, 14, Miami, 15, Iowa state and 16, St. Peter's. So we pretty much, we pretty much just had, um, uh, UCLA and North Carolina flipped as well. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah. So like I said, I think we just had a couple of different approaches there, but I mean, I'm really excited to see what, what this all comes down to. Um, it's going to be, it's when you filled out your bracket piece guy, you didn't get a chance to do that last week on the show. Uh, who did you have cutting down the nets in new Orleans? I had, I had, I think it was honestly. Okay. So I had to fill it out for my wife. Cause I can't, I can't officially do it. That's true. Um, yeah. I had to do it for my wife for her school thing. Um, honestly, I, the way my mad, I, I had, I ended up having Purdue beating Villanova. I like that. Um, the only slip up I could see would be Purdue losing to Gonzaga in the final four. Yeah, I I just I feel like the way Chet Holmgren played against Jalen Duran of Memphis, Chet Holmgren was going to get bullied by Zach Eady and Travion Williams in yeah. that kind of matchup. Um, now, it, that's going to be it'd be a fun matchup just because I want to see Drew Timmy against Mason Gillis, especially considering Drew Timmy came down to two teams and it was Gonzaga and Purdue, <laughs> and he chose Gonzaga. Uh, so I really want to see that matchup just because of, you know, Mason Gillis is like workhorse, like, like wear yeah. your hard hat and grab your lunch pail and go to work type guy. Uh, I, I remember I called a, I called a, a new for Anita SRN. I called Beach Grove, Newcastle one year. It was like, and Mason Gillis was one of the players, uh, for I mean, Newcastle at the time. So he's, I, he's one of these guys that, I mean, when Purdue was starting to look like they were going to get out rebounded completely by Texas early in that game, I was like, "Why is Mason Gillis on the bench? He's our best rebounder." They brought him back, and it was like a switch flipped, and they just they began getting rebounds because he's just hard nosed. He goes and gets the ball, and does what he's got to do. I mean, I think he's honestly, I think he's one of the best players on that team. Yep. Without Mason, and what's funny is that when Purdue beat North Carolina last, they did not have Mason Gillis in that game. He was suspended. Because he had a he, DUI, I think it was, over the summer. Yeah, he, oh, he got arrested. He got arrested because he had a, a bunch of cases of Sun King. Oh, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> underage. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I had Purdue beating Villanova. I don't have. I don't think Kansas makes it to the final four, and I don't think Arizona makes it to the final four. And I had Gonzaga making it to the final four. Yeah, I, th- I, I had uh, so I had Villanova. I think they they're gonna. I have the, I had them beating Kansas. Yeah, Kansas was is in their bracket, and then I had um, I think I had Iowa. Yeah, Iowa was is in the Arizona bracket. Flip it. It's it's uh it's Iowa is in Kansas's bracket, and okay. Villanova has uh, Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Okay, so yeah, I had Iowa and then Villanova, and I had Villanova beating Iowa to face Purdue in the national championship, and I had Purdue winning. Because matchup-wise, I mean, they've already beaten Villanova once. I think matchup-wise, Purdue matches up really well against Villanova. Yeah. I was I was on the fence really all last week about whether or not I, I thought Gonzaga was actually for real and going to get it done this time because they're one of those teams that the last few years has been kind of like I'll believe it when I see it they've come really mm-hmm. close but then it just seems like in the big bigger moments they've they've not been able to execute I did end up going with Gonzaga to beat Tennessee in the national championship game um, which obviously Tennessee can't do that now <laughs> but uh, I think I had like Tennessee against Kansas in the final four and then Georgia against. Uh, 
uh, Georgia, Gonzaga um, <laughs> against uh, who'd I have coming out? UCLA? I don't, it was it maybe UCLA. I was like, it definitely wasn't Baylor, but, um, but yeah. Now, watch. We're all going to be wrong in everybody. Everybody's going to get their wish. The media will get their wish and Duke will be cutting down the nets and it's going to be an epic fairy tale ending for coach. K. Yeah. Hey, look, I'll end I'll, I'll end the NCAA tournament conversation on this in my tier list. Um, I did have Duke up there and I was like, the only reason I have them up there in the national championship conversation is because of, you know, it's coach K's last year storybook ending. Like they'll, they'll be cutting down the net. So not entirely impossible for sure. Um, no, I just, I just hope that last thing, I just hope Purdue makes it in the men's tournament and in the women's tournament, Notre Dame, Dame makes it. Because how cool of a story is that? Niel Ivey, the head coach of Notre Dame, makes it to the women's Final Four, and her son, Jaden Ivey, makes it to the men's Final Four with Purdue. Yeah, that'd that be great. Be- well, I mean, heck, Notre Dame beat the bricks off of whoever they played uh, in the second round uh, yesterday. So, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I, I, that could potentially happen. I, I think it's, it's possible. Um, so we're going to switch gears uh, to the NFL. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk about our friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. Um, and then remember, you can uh, watch us every week, twitch.tv slash Craig Crash. We have a live stream. Come give us your thoughts. Uh, you can uh, like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go follow us at 3C Media Sports. Go to the YouTube and the TikTok. The YouTube and TikTok both have been popping off here lately with videos. Um, so make sure you go over there, subscribe, ring the bell. You're, you know, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, just go ahead. It's right there, right under, right under our, our beautiful faces. Go hit that subscribe button. Um, and uh, remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course podcast. So moving on uh, to the NFL offseason, which has been insane up to this point, we're going to focus right now on the quarterbacks. Um, although, you know, as a result of some of the conversation, we are going to spill into some of the other players as well, but um, just mainly focusing on what a wild quarterback carousel it has been so far. First of all, let's talk about the quarterbacks that are staying. Aaron Rodgers signs a four a year, $200 million extension. Um, it's for $153 million guaranteed. He's the highest, it made him the highest paid player in NFL history. Uh, also should note though, the Packers traded away Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Uh, for a 2022 first round pick and a 2022 second rounder. Uh, Adams then goes on to sign a five-year $141 million contract. Also, by the way, Tom Brady is unretired, so that's cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, Dude, my favorite is, I don't know if I said. Brett Favre stayed retired longer (laughs) for six times than Tom Brady. I don't know. Um, if, uh, you, if I sent this TikTok to you, but if I didn't, I'll try to find it and send it to you. Um, it's basically like, it's Tom Brady retiring and then it cuts to him. Like, like his kids, like just asking him nonstop questions like dad, get me this dad, get me that. And then it cuts back to Tom Brady. Like I'm coming out of retirement. Uh, I am a places on the field. He can't, t- I can't take my kids anymore. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. 
Um, but not to retire. <laughs> right. He's like, you know what? I've decided I'm going back. I can't deal with this. Um, quarterbacks on the move. We had quite a few of those. You have the Broncos. They acquire Russell Wilson, Denver trades, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, tight end, Shelby Harris, uh, and, uh, first and second round picks in 22 and 2023, uh, and a fifth round pick in this year's draft. Uh, to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Russell, uh, Seattle also trades Denver their 2022 fourth round pick. Deshaun Watson, he gets traded to the Browns. The Texans acquire first rounders in 2022, 23, and 24, as well as a 2023 third rounder and a 2024 fourth rounder. The Browns also get a 2024 fifth round pick. Uh, Cleveland then signs Watson to a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract. And it should also be noted that the Browns acquired Amari Cooper. The Colts, they trade away Carson Wentz to the Commanders. Uh, the Colts swap second round picks with Washington. Uh, the reason why that's important is because Washington had the 42nd overall pick, uh, which goes, uh, which that one goes to the Colts. The Colts don't have a first rounder. So it gives them a little bit of a higher pick. Um, so while, you know, yeah, you're not picking in the top 32, you're at least picking in the top 45, 50. That's at least something. Um, well, they were the, picking 48 prior to the swap. That's still, it's six yeah, picks it's, higher. It's six picks higher. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> Right. Uh, the Colts also receive a 2022 third rounder and a 2020. Not anymore. It's gone. Right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's what they received at the time. That was then used to flip. uh, Yeah. They traded Carson Wentz to the commanders for uh, Matt Ryan and a second round this year and a third round next year that could become a second rounder. Yeah. Think about it. They they turned Carson Wentz into Matt Ryan and picks. Right. And also <laughs> how they pulled that off. My favorite is that that whole third rounder could be a second rounder is funny because it's almost the exact same deal. The Eagles right. had where they're like, if, if wins plays but 70% of set now, wins is going to get hurt. The other best <laughs> part. Well, yeah, either way, second or third round, right. whatever. The best part of that whole deal was the fact that Washington took on his entire contract. They took it all. There is no dead cap for Carson Wentz on the Indianapolis Colts cap space which is awesome and then the Colts were able to get Matt Ryan and convince the Falcons to continue to pay 40 million dollars of his salary (laughs) they just fleeced these NFC teams I'm sorry but they did they just fleeced them like financially it's unbelievable like yeah we still get we just got our uh, a new quarterback and we still have uh we convinced his former team to hold on to 40 million dollars of his and (laughs) And oh by the way we did pretty much the same thing so we didn't have to mess with any of the eagle stuff for carson wentz we don't have to mess with any of the falcons stuff for matt ryan works out pretty well and then didn't didn't matt ryan restructure his contract too so now it's even more like i haven't i heard that was in the process but i haven't seen not official details i haven't Um, seen final details yet also, so yeah, the Colts also acquire, or they do acquire uh, Matt Ryan. The Steelers acquire Mitch Trubisky. So a lot of quarterbacks on the move, a lot of QB shuffling. So Can to, we talk uh, about the Matt Ryan thing real quick? It's not in the rundown. Well, what we were going to talk about at the end, I, I thought when we gave our take about like, okay. well, Matt Ryan. Okay. I mean, we can do it now if you want. Okay, but we'll hold on to it. I'll hold on to it. I'll sit patiently. Okay, good. It's a good tease for later. Um. Yeah. So we're going to go into hot or cold uh, where we are going to say a take, say whether or not it is a hot take or a cold take. So going down through uh, the list of moves here, kind of taking the, you know, zooming out, you know, taking a look at all these moves. Uh, The first take, 
Aaron Rodgers will have 30-plus touchdowns this coming season. Uh, for me, that is a cold take. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Cold as a Sunday night football game in Lambeau cold, in December. Cold as Matty Ice. <laughs> you know, it's. No, that's, that, he's cool cold. He's cool cold. Okay. We're talking, this is as cold as frozen tundra. True. Cold as it was when they were getting beat in the first round by the 49ers. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has won back-to-back MVPs on the heels of 85 touchdowns, 48 in 2020, 37 in 2021. Prior to that, his two seasons uh, in 2019 and 2018, 25 touchdowns and 26 uh, touchdowns. Devontae Adams has led the Packers in receiving yards and touchdowns in each of the last five seasons. In 2020, he had 1,374 yards receiving. He was second on the team, the second place on the team in yardage. Uh, had 690. He had eight t- 18 touchdowns in 2020. Second had 11. In 2021, he had 1,553 yards receiving, a thousand more than second place, uh, which had uh, 513 yards. Uh, Sounds like the Colts wide receivers, right? And then uh, also second place had two touchdowns, whereas Devon or had uh, eight touchdowns, whereas Devontae had 11. So essentially. Devontae Adams has accounted for 35% of Aaron Rodgers' passing yards and 34% of the, uh, his touchdowns over the last two seasons. So you take away a th- he's gone. You take he's away gone. a third of that production, and that just does not bode well. I mean, you look at the rest of the Packers' top five receiver, receivers from last season. You have Alan Lazard, who had 513 yards, eight touchdowns. It was his first season above 500 yards, more touchdown last season than than. Uh, the entirety of his career to that point. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he had 430 yards and three touchdowns. He did miss six games, but he's also a free agent. Um, So you're not even guaranteed necessarily to get him back. And then third uh, behind Devontae Adams last year was Aaron Jones. That's your running back. Uh, He had 391 yards and six touchdowns. Then you have Randall Cobb, uh, who had 375 yards and five touchdowns. He last played a full season uh, in 2015. Uh, and uh, his last time he played a full season, 2015, he had 829 yards and six touchdowns. The closest season of that was in 2019. He played 15 games, uh, caught or, or uh, had 828 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So, I mean, they don't have a true number one receiver, and the Packers have never taken a wide receiver in the first round. And if that continues, then they won't even nearly have the uh, caliber of wide receiver that they had in Devontae Adams, um, you know, to replace him. And so I think that's going to equal a – I think it's not really surprising to say that that's going to equal a down year for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I agree. This is definitely a cold take. Honestly, what his signing tells me is that he's more concerned about making money at this point in his career, as much money as he can, rather than winning another Super Bowl. Because they would not have had to move on from Devontae Adams if he did not become the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. On a team that already had cap issues. Yeah, on a team that already had (laughs) cap issues. Like, I'm so glad the Colts didn't try to get in on signing Aaron Rodgers because – this is a death sentence for the Packers. The Packers are essentially saying, we want you bad enough that we're willing to not have a team to put around you. And if you're okay with that, then that's fine. And it's, to me, it sounds like he's okay with that. And because of that, honestly, I've lost a huge amount of respect for Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. It's like, you've played a long time. You've got, you made a lot of money. At this point, don't you want to win another ring? Like, 
you would think you would want to win another Super Bowl. And you've seen what the issues are. You know what the team's issues are. And the best way to get there is to be able to bring in better players. Well, guess what? You can't afford better players now. Now you're, you're going to be running out there with seventh round draft picks because you can't afford anything else because all your money's wrapped up in the quarterback position. So have fun with that, Aaron Rodgers. I'm glad you got glad you got paid that much. But yeah, it's a cold take. He's got nobody to throw to. He's not going to have an. They're going to have to restructure that offensive line most likely. He's not going to have an O line. They're going to have no talent around him. Yeah, cold. <laughs> they did resign Robert Tunyon. There. I mean, I'll tell you what. This this is one less player that Jonathan Taylor has to contend with for an MVP. <laughs> True. Uh, true. Well, I mean, now Tom Brady's back and he was what probably going to be second in line last year. I mean, it's it's a quarterback award. So, I mean, it's not like it was, (laughs) you needed a, you needed Hercule, you needed Herculean efforts from Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. You need a few trick plays where Jonathan Taylor throws touchdown (laughs) passes to, to Matt Ryan, because let's be honest, we don't have any other receivers. So, right. Exactly. (laughs) We lost Zach Pascal today. Did you see that? I didn't see that, but I'm not surprised. That Pascal to the Eagles. Of course, so it's the Eagles. Wide receivers are now Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Paris Campbell, who can't stay healthy, right. and Ashton Doolin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, know. Now, now that we have a quarterback, there's plenty of wide receivers out there that are going to come. Yeah. I, I think so, too. I, I'm, that's what I'm hoping, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next take the AFC West is now the toughest division in football. And I'm actually going to go ahead and play contrarian here. Uh, I'm going to say that's a cold take. Um, I don't know. I guess I say contrarian, not knowing what you're going to say, but uh, I'm going contrarian from what this take says. Uh, You know, Russell Wilson of the Broncos does shift the pendulum away from the uh, NFC West, which is who we have said the last few years has been the best division in football. But I'm actually going to say it's the AFC North. And here's why. Uh, you've got the Bengals coming off a Super Bowl appearance, so that's that's one. You've got the Steelers that uh, made the playoffs with Big Ben last season. So I mean, not Big Ben who was winning Super Bowls, not Big Ben who was you know slinging the ball to Antonio Brown and Juju and all those guys. We had, I mean, you're still throwing the ball to Juju, I guess, but he would just not anywhere where he normally is. Um, and uh, the Steelers bring in Mitch Trubisky, who, I mean, in 2018, he uh, was in the top three in QBR behind Mahomes and Breeze. He's shown flashes. He can be a solid player. He's in a much better organization uh, being with the Steelers than the Bears. Uh, he's uh, with most, much better coaching uh, with Mike Tomlin there. I know Mike Tomlin's a defensive guy, but, it, you know, I think Mike he's Tomlin. A solid coach. Yeah, he's a great coach. Um yeah, they do. And then if that doesn't work out, they also have Mason Rudolph, who went five and three uh, as a starter in 2019. You, and I, like I said, you're telling me neither one of those guys can be as good, if not better than Big Ben was last year. And that's the team that still made the playoffs. Then you have the Browns that add Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson. They have a top, top five defense last season. Uh, and then you have the Ravens, who if they weren't plagued by so many injuries, would have, oh, you know, and even though they were plagued by so many injuries, we're still in the playoff hunt. So this is four legitimate playoff teams. And I'm not saying that, you know, the, you know, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders um, and Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. Does it make that division, you know, four potential playoff caliber teams as well? Um, but 
I don't know what they look like yet. I don't know what these teams, you know, if they're going to be just kind of good on paper and fizzle out. Uh, and also I, I feel like to be the toughest division in football, you also can't be a team that still has kind of a clear cut favorite. Cause I don't think any of these moves put any of those AFC West teams above the chiefs. I think the chiefs are still the, the team to beat in the AFC West. They also just added uh, Juju today or not today, but they added Juju Smith Schuster. So I, I don't see any of those teams with the moves they made that none of those moves make me confident enough to say like, yes, the Raiders are going to be better than the chiefs. Yes. The chargers are going to be better than chiefs. Yes. The, you know, the Broncos are going to be better than chiefs. I still, cause remember, I mean, with Russell Wilson going over there, Russell Wilson had talent around him in Seattle too. And, and wasn't doing much with that. So, um, I mean, he's got a better defense than he had in Seattle the last few years, oh, yeah. but, but uh, as far as like, I mean, he had DK Metcalf, he had Tyler Lockett, uh, he had Chris Carson, who, I mean, uh, yeah, is, you know, a solid running back. So it's not like he, the cupboard was bare in Seattle and, and he was just kind of the last man standing. Like they had talent. So I don't think it's automatic to say, well, Russell to the Broncos, uh, you know, makes them, you know, a, a, a an act, you know, a runaway favorite yeah. for the AFC West. People, people say that just because like, the Broncos, oh, now the Broncos are favored to win the Super Bowl because they saw what Peyton Manning did when he got traded there True. or when he got cut and signed there. Oh, it's Peyton Manning all over again. No, not really. That that Broncos team was actually was good. And they were they were literally a quarterback away from yeah. being a super. That was Bowl literally player. the final piece. Yeah, that's all they needed. I mean, that defense was stellar. Um, I think this is a I think this is a hot take, to be honest. Because you basically argued against your own argument. You basically contradicted it, essentially. Like when you look at the AFC North, who's better than the Bengals, really? The Browns can be. I don't I don't think I don't think really? I don't think I, mean, I don't think the Bengals the Bengals are not the runaway favorite like the Chiefs are, in my opinion. See, but I, I think when you I look at the AFC West, yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in the Broncos. I don't think the Broncos are gonna go all of a sudden be knocking on the door of the Super Bowl, but the Chargers have made the, the right moves to put themselves right up there in the conversation with Kansas City, to be honest. Um, what we saw this past year is Kansas City is beatable. People have figured out now how to handle Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, they still can win a lot of games, and they do, but it doesn't, it, it's not like, oh man, how are we going to ever stop this guy? It's they, they teams have figured it out. It's just a matter of can they do it, and some can, some can't. I feel like the Chargers have made enough moves to, you know, put themselves up in that conversation with the Chiefs. Now, the Broncos, I think, are right there in third, and I still put the Raiders last just because they did lose a lot defensively. I mean, it's tough to replace Yannick and Dakwe, but I don't know. It's I don't have as much faith, I guess, in the AFC North as you do. Because, like, okay, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky is a – he's better than an old beat-up Roethlisberger. You know, they don't have Juju Smith-Schuster anymore. I mean, so there's that. And then, yeah, the Browns got Deshaun Watson and they signed Amari Cooper, but they also let go of Jarvis Landry. And – I, I don't have faith in the Browns until that organization can actually prove to me 
that they are good enough or they can handle having good players and actually put a solid game plan together. I feel like the coaching and the front office there just can never get out of their own way. And they've had teams in the past that are, are really good teams. They just couldn't capitalize on it because they, the coaching has been atrocious in Cleveland. Um, Baltimore, I feel like Baltimore is on the decline, to be honest. I don't, I feel like Lamar Jackson is working his way out of there. I, I feel like right now I have more faith in the AFC West being a dogfight for that division title than I do the AFC North. I think the AFC West gets more teams into the playoffs than the AFC North. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the AFC North only got two and then the AFC West got three. I mean, and I mean, look, it's uh, the AFC in general. I was going to bring it the up. AFC in general is the, is a, is a, <laughs> I was talking about it oh, today with, with my dad. I was like, you know, what's crazy is the fact that there are literally t- almost literally twice as many teams. You can talk about being in the playoff hunt uh, in the AFC as there are playoff spots. The only three teams you, I would probably rule. I mean, not probably. I am ruling out already are the Texans, the Jets and the Jaguars. Those are the yeah. teams that you would say are definitely, I mean, you could talk yourself into the Dolphins. You like the Patriots. You like the Bills. All four AFC North teams, all four AFC West teams, the Titans and the Colts. I mean, that's 13 of 16 teams, whereas on the NFC side, you've got Tom Brady, assorted others. You've got Aaron Rodgers, assorted others. You've got the, the NFC West, which is still good. They just are, are down a peg without Russell on, on the Seahawks. Um, and, and then you've got the, the NFC West is, a, is, is falling apart. Well, I mean, it's definitely not the best. It's definitely not the best division anymore. No, it definitely not. And yeah, the Rams are the clear cut favorite now, whereas last year being in that division, yeah, Yeah, the Rams are clear cut favorite. Like, and basically it's, it's all four division winners. You can confidently predict probably right now. Um, but so I guess my question is this, and, and this, I guess we have two different definitions of, of we're basing on two different versions of tough, like one division stuff. Cause I, I agree there, there's a very good chance that there could be four or not, not four, but there could be more AFC West teams than AFC North teams. But um, I, I, that I don't think that necessarily means it's the toughest division. I, what I'm basing it on uh, is like, is, can you say you are more confident today with the Cincinnati Bengals winning the AFC North and you are the Kansas city chiefs winning the AFC West. Yes. Okay. And then like, and I, I'm the opposite of that. I have more faith in the, in the Kansas city chiefs winning and, the AFC West than I do the Bengals winning the North. And, and that's what I'm basing nothing, on. It has nothing to do with, well, I mean a little bit to do with Russell Wilson being traded to the Broncos. I think, you know, I mean, that division Russell got Wilson better hands traded, down, but that, I mean, it's going to be tougher for Kansas city to win it because can the Broncos steal one from the chiefs? and help another team out like the chargers. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, it's, it's not going to be as easy for the chiefs to win it. Now there's a, it, it's not like, okay, we have two games against the Broncos. Who good. That, that will, that will be a big help. It's not like when you look at the Colts and they look, you look at their schedule and you go, okay, we got two games against the Houston Texans. Okay, good. That, that helps. That, those are, two good easy games you'd like to think we saw what happened against the jaguars yeah well uh, we haven't won in jacksonville since what 2013 yeah that's true something ridiculous like that or yeah it's 16 i think i don't know something ridiculous so but that's why i said the houston texans yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's it's possible that you know 
yeah, the Chiefs are still going to make the playoffs. They're going to be one of those teams right up there at the top of the AFC West. But there's a chance that they may they can slip up now. There's a you know in that division and lose one to the Broncos, and all of a sudden, bam, the Chargers have the tiebreaker. Chargers win the division. Yep. Uh, it, it I think it's more possible. I because the quarterback situation for all of those teams is 100% truly solidified. Yeah. And I can't say that about the AFC North because I, I don't feel like Lamar Jackson is long for the Baltimore Ravens and Trubisky. I'm still out on, like, I know a lot of people had him linked to the Colts and I was like, Oh, please God, anybody, but Trubisky. Um, well, there was other people I didn't want to, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fine. Here's Kirk Cousins. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know it's when you have the the biggest position in football locked in on your team, and then you put the right pieces around them. Do I think Denver's done enough to be up there? No, but they've done enough to be contenders. They've done enough to ruin somebody else's division title. The Chargers have done enough to be contenders for that division. The Raiders, same thing as the Broncos. They are right there. They, I don't think they stand a chance to win the division, but they can ruin somebody else's chances as well. And I can't say the same thing about the teams in the AFC North. I can't say this, truly confidently say the same things about the other teams in the AFC North outside of the, the Cincinnati Bengals. I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals are the best team in that division, and I don't see who else could really contend it with them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, moving on to, uh, the next question here, the next take, uh, the Browns will host a wild card game this season. I wanted to make sure to make that distinction. Cause I was going to say host a playoff game. And I was like, well, technically they're like the five seed. They could host it. I'm like, no, it will. They host the wild card game, which means they, which is a fancy way to say, they're will they win the AFC, win the AFC North. And you know what, honestly, and I can tell already by your reaction that we're going to be dissenting on this one too, which is fine. That's okay. I that just makes told you my reason. Right, exactly. Um, but uh, I, because honestly, I didn't think I'd be on this side either. I'm going with hot take. I didn't think I would be. But here's here's what I'm going to base it on. You know, first of all, you have the change of quarterback. Baker Mayfield led the Browns to the postseason and win over the Steelers in 2020, despite finishing 18th in passing yards. He was 24th in 2021. I know there were some injury concerns, that kind of thing. That obviously attributed to it. Um, Deshaun Watson has never finished below 13th in his pa- in passing in three full seasons. He led the league in passing his uh, last full season in tw- – well, his last season in 2020. You had Amari Cooper, which is an upgrade at wide receiver. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at running back. You have Dave. David Njoku at tight end. So they've got the weapons and then they have a defense that finished fifth in yards allowed per game and uh point uh, and passing yards allowed per game. Um, and honestly, because of those facts right there, I give the Browns the edge right now to win the AFC North. I mean, it's again, and that's why I say it's a tough division because Cincinnati is obviously going to be back. You've got Pittsburgh. You've got Pittsburgh, who I think will still kind of be what you were talking about. What Denver would be uh, in the AFC West. There, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to win the division, but I think they can be spoiler. Heck, they played spoiler all the way to a playoff, <laughs> all the way to a playoff uh, situation last season. And then the the Ravens had a ton of injuries, and they'll be back this year. So, um, I, I think. As many question marks as there are surrounding the Browns, I do think I'm leaning that way. Uh, if I were to have to choose who's winning the division, you know, right at this point. Yeah, I think it. It's it's a cold because also me. also remember 
that the Bengals, in my opinion, too, have to address the needs in the draft. They still have their offensive line. They haven't done a whole lot to address that so far. Signing Lael Collins. That does help. That's but, a huge help. Yeah. Like, I don't know what Dallas was. I know Dallas is cash strapped right now, but man, that was a guy when he came free. I was like, uh, if Chris Ballard's ever going to spend some money, yeah, that's who we need to let. We need to, we need to tackle like ASAP. And when he came free, um, he was in the supplement draft because of some injuries or something. It was something weird that happened with him. And it was one of those guys that like, Everybody's like, the Colts need him. The Colts need him. The Colts need him. And they didn't. And then now it's like, he's available again. The Colts need him. The Colts really need him. No. But, yeah, it's a cold take. I already told you guys why. I, I don't have faith fully. One, I, I need to see that Deshaun Watson can still play football. Mm-hmm. You know, and – I also need to know that Deshaun Watson's not going to get in trouble with the NFL for all these civil lawsuits that he's facing. You know, we have seen where guys have been cleared of criminal charges, but because of the bad press it brought to the NFL, essentially they get suspended for like six games. So it's gotta, I gotta see what the, that looks like. And I still don't have faith in the Browns coaching staff or the front office to make the right decisions to propel this team forward. They know how to sign good players. They just don't know what to do with them once they have these good players. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Uh, that is completely fair. I just, if, if all those, if everything falls into place, which I mean, I know, like you said, big question marks, but I, I just, I have more faith that it'll fall into place than it, than it not falling into place. But speaking of things falling into place, uh, we're over the hour mark, but we are going to spend some, a good amount of time on this. I feel like um, the final take here is Matt Ryan will lead the Colts to the postseason. Of course, Matt Ryan traded to the Colts um, a couple of days ago. Um, and I'm going to be a little Debbie Downer real quick uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the actual trade itself. Um, you know, I think it is a cold take and part, part of it's because of what we mentioned earlier. I mean, there's, there's just so much to sift through with the AFC that to sit here right now and say, Matt Ryan makes you, um, you know, a far and away, you know, better, you know, team than where, where you were last year. I mean, Carson Wentz, you know, almost, um, you know, took the Colts to the playoffs and and that's the guy we wanted to, you know, you know, run out of town and we did run out of town. Um, but for me, it, it's a cold take, uh, in 2020, the Colts were number seven, were the number seven seed in the AFC, their offensive line ranked seventh, uh, their defense, uh, ranked eighth in yards per game, uh, 10th in scoring defense in 2021, the Colts missed the postseason. Uh, their offensive line ranked 12th, their defense ranked 16th in yards per game, although uh, they did make up some ground in uh, uh, scoring defense ninth. Um, uh, so two areas that we lean on as fans to say like, oh, these, these are the areas that are the Colts strong suits. The Colts, the, you know, were on the decline in those two categories last uh, the last year. Um, Carson Wentz uh, finished 
ninth in QBR last season. Matt Ryan hasn't finished in the top 10 in QBR since 2018. The Falcons have made the playoffs three times in the last 10 years. Uh, in 2012, they had two 1,000-yard receivers in Roddy White and Julio Jones. They finished ninth and 10th, respectively. In 2016, that was the Super Bowl year. Ryan wins MVP. Julio Jones finishes second in receiving with 1,400 yards. In 2017, Julio Jones finished second in receiving yards with 1,400 yards. Michael Pittman uh, finished 18th in receiving uh, last year with about 1,100 yards. So, I mean, the Colts play in a stacked AFC. I wouldn't put them ahead of Tennessee at this moment. Uh, the AFC East will likely have uh, the Bills and Pats in. You have four, uh, you know, four team races in the North and West, in my opinion. Uh, and they needed an outstanding season from JT to even be in the spot they were in last season. And now they're relying on a guy who, at you know, in next season will be 37. Uh, you know, with nearly nothing in the cupboard to try to get them to that next level. Now, I know there's a possibility that there could be, you know, help on the way, but as it stands right now, uh, I just don't feel super confident in the, and Matt Ryan being that step forward that everyone is hoping that he'll be. So I, I think this is, I think it's too soon to tell if this is a full hot take, but I'm going to say it's a warm take because yeah, the numbers aren't as good as Carson Wentz's numbers. Um, but, I mean, he didn't have as good of an offensive line, hands down, no matter what, no matter the decline of our offensive line or whatever, um, or as good of a running game. So those two things. But where Matt Ryan is going to be a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, one, he, he's not going <clears throat> to try to freestyle plays. <laughs> you know, like Carson Wentz had about like three or four plays a game where you go, why would you make that, try to make that throw? And that wasn't even a good throw. I mean, you just kind of chucked it at somebody. And like, why? Matt Ryan's not going to make those decisions. He makes sounds, he makes sound decisions. Matt Ryan's also going to be a much, 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 much better leader. Matt Ryan is more built in the Peyton Manning mold than Carson Wentz. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck type mold. He's, he's a locker room guy. He's a leader which is what this team needed. If you're, if you're reading into it, you're noticing Carson Wentz was not that guy. Um, so that, that's a big, that's a big thing Two, I do believe that the free agents now are going to start coming in because what free agent is going to want to sign with a team that has no clear plan at quarterback. Well, now you bring in a guy that's known across the league as a great leader, great locker room guy. People love playing with him. Nobody's ever said anything bad about playing with him. And that, that's something that you want, you know, like, okay, you can look at this Colts team and go, look, they play in a winnable AFC South. It's, they either win the AFC South or they're not getting the playoffs. That's the way that's the nature of the AFC. But so I think from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing, is that there is a potential? I, I I think people are are overstating this one. A potential for a signing of like a player like Dwayne Brown at left tackle, even though Chris Ballard did go on the Pat McAfee show today and stated that um, Matt Pryor is it's his job to lose. But I, so I, mean, I wonder if he's going to bring somebody else in still, just because you need depth anyways, because uh, the depth was not there last year. Um, but you look at it, there's also, they're talking, uh, one of the players that's heavily connected to the Colts still is Tyron Matthew, or Mathow. Um, Matthew, yeah. Matthew, the honey, the honey Badger. Yes. You know, he has talked about, you know, 
he's very heavily connected. So that would be, that's a big step. If you bring him in, that defense is going to be scary good. Sure. It's going to be really, really good. Um, Cause you figured out your pass rush situation by bringing in Yannick and Gakwe. I mean, that's going to be a really good defensive line. I know people are like, Oh, they should have brought in Bobby Wagner too. No, no, no. You don't need Bobby Wagner. You're good. Um, but then there's two wide receivers that are out there. I mean, that I think the Colts could potentially land one, one of, or the other. I don't think they land both just because, you know, Ballard does not like to spend a ton of money. Um, but they do need a veteran wide receiver in that room. Cause they could still draft somebody. They can early in the second round easily. I mean, player like David Bell would be a good fit for this Colts team. They need a possession wide receiver that can go up, get 50, 50 balls and just make sound route running. So there's that, but I think I I wouldn't be surprised to see either Julio Jones or Odell Beckham jr. In a Colts uniform next year. Is it what's Julio or sorry, not Julio. What's OBJ's like injury. Cause he got, he tore his ACL in the super bowl. Right. Yeah. But typically now it's like six months. So he could be back by the start of the season and that's his plan. He's already playing. He's saying that, which, but that's the thing he could come back. You could get him for cheaper because of that. Yeah, that's fair. You know, and he's openly stated on Twitter that he loves the signing of Matt, the Colts getting Matt Ryan. He thinks that's a great fit. OBJ isn't stupid. He doesn't just put stuff out there just to put it out there. He's, he's smart. He's very calculated it could be him trying. I, I think he realizes, I don't think he's going back to the Rams. And I, I think. But the Rams he, just traded away Robert Woods. So wouldn't that theoretically. Well, Robert mean, Woods, they needed Robert Woods gone because he's just an injury risk to begin with. Right. But I mean, that's one less receiver that they have. So they. Yeah. Could, I don't know. I, I just feel like, I don't know. He's set. He's, he, he's setting himself up just for, you know, trying to get anybody really at this yeah. point. But I would be okay with I'd be okay with that, and I and I'm also saying Julio Jones because of the history that he does have with Matt Ryan, um, he didn't have an issue with Matt Ryan. He had an issue with the Falcons, which we're finding that's not uncommon. But you can point and say, well, he just didn't have a good year last year. He just wasn't himself. His quarterback was Ryan Tannehill. Are we all that surprised? I mean, this is a Tennessee Titans team. That if they if Derrick Henry's not running people over, they lose. They're not winning the game on the back of Ryan Tannehill. He's a he's a guy that's in there to manage the game, and you know I, I think I have better I have more faith in Matt Ryan completing more passes and being a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, to be honest. So I think you know for Julio to be able to hook back up with a quarterback that made him a prolific wide receiver, a Pro Bowl wide receiver on a team that actually has a legitimate run game that's that teams have to, you know, pay attention to, which we all thought that with the Titans, I'll, I'll give you that. We all thought that would happen with the Titans, but when you don't have a quarterback you have chemistry with, it's not easy. So I do think the moves will be made. If the Colts do make the right moves in bringing in talent to put around him and protect him better, then yeah, it, it, this team makes the postseason. I mean, they were one brain fart away from a Carson Wentz of making the postseason this past year. Right. You know, I mean, and I think the defense definitely did get better. 
and everybody's like, yeah, but we traded away Rocky Yassin. Rocky Yassin's a cover he, guy. He, yeah. he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the new defensive coordinator scheme. He's not a zone. And he was, I mean, he was a liability at times too, which I mean, I know did, every, but I will say last year was his best year playing. He made some strides, the, reason, yeah. the reason they were able to trade him straight up for Yannick is because he played so well last year. So yeah, when you look at that, if you don't understand the style of player he is, yeah, it's going to be like, Oh my gosh. Now we, we had a weakness in the secondary and it got worse, but yeah, you, you traded one weakness to build it on a weakness that's now a strength. I don't think Rocky Yassin was going to fit the new scheme. And I think they have higher hopes for um, – they got Marvell Tell back, which is – that's going to be big. Marvell Tell was a really good player until he decided to sit out for, from co- with the COVID pandemic. He, he sat out, and that affected his roster status. And then I think they're really high on Isaiah Rogers, to be honest. And he's, he's pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'm okay with that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that over the next few days, you're going to start seeing these moves be made um, now that they have the quarterback in place. Cause now there's a, okay. Okay. The team's got a direction and now the free agents will come. Yeah. I, I don't I, think I don't expect big time spending and everybody to come knocking down the door, but they're going to make the right moves. And it's going to be better than what we've seen in the past. I mean, obviously, Ballard is in a situation where he has to make a move at wide receiver now. He has to. Yeah. You you lost Zach Paschal. And, I mean, he was your second best wide receiver on the team last year. And he was – Had like 300 yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know you have to make that move. I know everybody keeps saying, well, they need to make a move at tight end. I, I mean, they resigned Moali so. Cox. I mean, they said resign Moali Cox. I mean, we all knew that Doyle was probably going to retire. I'm not. I'm not. I I, I still have a high hopes for uh, Kyle Granson. He's yeah. he was a rookie last year and third on the roster. He's not going to. He w- wasn't getting much PT, but when he was out there, he was good. And I think you're going to see him take a big step this year, especially now that he's got a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who's you know. He's Matt Ryan. Yeah. He's not the same. He was way back in 2016. No, he's not, but he's got such a high football IQ. He's going to just by him being out there and on that practice field of these guys, he's going to make everybody around him better, which is what the Colts need to be honest. I've definitely warmed up to the idea of Matt Ryan. I know uh, I tweeted out yesterday uh, that I was like, you know, I, I, I just vehemently did not want Matt Ryan only only coming from the standpoint of he's going to be 37 next yeah, year. I and okay. I feel like there's a, I mean, there's a chance, but I mean, I guess theoretically there's a, was a chance that was going to happen regardless so that we're going to end up in the same position next year as we are this year. But well, I also, I also two or three years left on his contract. Right. But let's two say, let's say they go, because remember this team is all in let's, I mean, what if he goes six and 11, you know what I mean? Like, I don't there, see that happening. I mean, no. maybe not, but I'm just saying yeah. that's what if that, you know. I mean, Person Wentz at least went 500 football. Yeah. So, um, so this, it, here's a stat that, it, it make, that makes me feel really good about him being 37. In his career, he's only missed three games. Yeah, that's true. He's durable. 
I also like it from the standpoint, and it almost kind of feels like a do-over from the Philip Rivers situation, where now you have a couple of years of a veteran guy who can help Eason, who can help Ellinger. That seems kind of the direction Eason's that Colts gone. are. Eason's not. Eason's with the, the Seahawks. Eason with Seahawks. Oh, yeah, we well, cut him last year, and he Ellinger. <laughs> uh, Ellinger, uh, you know, they get, you know help kind of groom him on a little bit. Um, and help him because I think it's like I said, I think it's kind of a do over from Philip Rivers where you're like, okay, now we're going to invest in our in our guy of the future and have somebody, a veteran presence develop him rather than going out and getting someone this year from a trade or whatever from the free agent market who we want to be our future guy. So, yeah. um, so I mean, that- I, I'll tell you, I wasn't as nervous as some people were that that were sitting, oh my gosh, we're actually going to go into the season with Sam Ellinger as our starting quarterback. I was like, could be worse. I was honestly, I was, I was, I was okay with that because I want to see what Ellinger has. I think Ellinger, honestly, this, this is great for Ellinger. Like you said, he's going to be able to learn now from a good veteran presence in Matt Ryan. I think Ellinger has honestly what it takes to be the future starter for this team. I don't think that they need to go out and try to find a new, another quarterback. I mean, they don't, I think Sam Ellinger has, he has what I, 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 would, I would want in a quarterback. He knows how to win games. Does he have the tangibles of size? No. But neither did Drew Brees or Russell Wilson. Right. So you, you got to realize that size, to an extent, uh, isn't, a fa- isn't too big of a factor. And the thing is with Ellinger, he is mobile, but he's not like a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson mobile who's going to get himself hurt. He's more of a pocket guy that can run when he needs to run. And he's solid. He's built solid too. I, I really like Sam Ellinger being the backup and potentially the starter someday. Yeah, I was okay. I was like, I, I was okay with Ellinger being the starter just from the standpoint of like at minimum, you have a three and 14 season. You're picking at the top of next year's draft and potentially getting. Oh, I don't think he would be lead him to three I, and 14. I'm just saying that. I, know, I, know. I, I said at worst, that would be the case. So, so at you best, were, you find the quarterback of the future. Yeah. So you were saying you weren't too high on Matt Ryan and you're warming up to it. Who would you have with based on the QB market, who would you have I gone after and taken? I wanted Baker, to be honest. I wanted Baker. I wanted Baker from the standpoint of, I think, but zooming out from it, I kind of see why that's why I'm saying I'm warming up to Matt Ryan because zooming out from the situation, because I'll be honest, the first, the only thing I saw with Matt Ryan through this whole entire process is 37, 37, 37. We, we were trying to get a future guy and get out of quarterback purgatory. Why are we trying to go get a guy who's 37 years old? Um, and so, I mean, Baker's younger, maybe he needs a fresh start, you know, or, or, or he needs a change of scenery. Uh, they talked about on the herd about how he more fits that, you know, um, how he fits that more underdog role, which I mean, after you know, being kind of jettisoned away from Cleveland kind of gives him that extra edge that he always plays with anyway. He was hurt last year, so I mean, kind of it, it's eerily similar to kind of how things were with Carson Wentz, which that's why I'm starting to warm up to Matt Ryan because theoretically, you don't want to have to go through that again if you're the Colts. So that's where I'm, like I said, I'm warming up to the idea because I'm like, well, this is basically a Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz do over where, you know, we, we were okay being like, all right, Rivers one season, goodbye. Whereas, you know, maybe if Rivers had stayed another season or two, maybe we would have 
Eason or now Ellinger being, you know, the starting guy and be moving on and have our quarterback of the future where now it's like, okay, now we buy ourselves some more time with Ryan to then have a good quarterback, be still in contention, a guy who protects the ball, like you said, um, a guy who will then help groom the kind of veteran presence you want to help groom a future guy um, what, rather than going out, you know, selling whatever you need to sell to get Baker Mayfield thinking he's going to be the future and having another Carson Wentz type situation. So that's how I was approaching that. I was approaching it. I, all I was seeing was the big three, seven, but now, you know, zooming out from that, I'm like, okay, I can see a lot of the other, the other good qualities of getting a guy like Matt Ryan. Right. Especially when you look at the the Browns were asking a first rounder for Baker. It's Mm -hmm. like, Really? We, we, we don't have one, sorry. One, we don't have one until <laughs> next year. And two, you are hearing stories, you're hearing things that he was not a good leader within the locker room. And if you just jettisoned out Carson Wentz, who statistically did put up, had a good season. He had a bounce back season, statistically speaking. But if you are needing more of a leader in your locker room, Baker Mayfield is not that guy. Matt Ryan is. And honestly, when, the, when you look at the Colts in their, in their past, when they have been successful, the guys they have had at quarterback have been strong, leader, stout figures within that locker room, within that lineup. Peyton Manning commanded the respect of the locker room, led that team very well. Andrew Luck, same thing. And now it was, I mean, and Phillip Rivers even. Phillip Rivers, same thing. So the trading for Carson Wentz, you just you didn't get the same vibe from him that you did when at the podium watching press conferences when you when Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, or Philip Rivers. It just didn't feel the same. And then watching the press, the introductory press conference today with Matt Ryan, it felt normal. It felt like what you are accustomed to seeing from the Colts at that position. Like Carson Wentz, I mean. I don't want to look into this like style standpoint because everybody's got their own style, but Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck suits, you know, I mean, Andrew Luck, sometimes Andrew Luck would come and beat the hell. Let's be honest. And he would be wearing whatever he was just got out of the ice bath. In, but sometimes, but you know, suits, you know, Carson Wentz, like cool jacket, you know, not like a suit jacket, cool jacket with a nice t-shirt or something underneath. And, you know, skinny jeans, that type of stuff. He looked, he looked like a, a, a youth pastor. I'm just being honest. <laughs> he did it. He did. And then you got Matt Ryan that stepped up today. The suit again. I mean, yeah, it is age difference. Matt Ryan's 36. Carson Wentz is 26. There's a huge, there's a difference there. Um, especially when it comes to fashion and style and everything. But it just felt when he was up there and speaking and the way he handled himself and the questions and everything, it's like that that right there is what the Colts have, as a franchise, have become a cut or accustomed to as a quarterback. Carson Wentz felt like a step away from that norm of what is typical when you think of a Colts quarterback here recently. So I feel like some Matt Ryan's going to bring stability. Matt Ryan's going to bring comfort for this organization and give it that per that guy that will bring the locker room together and lead it. That's what was missing last year was was a vocal leader on offense. 
I mean, yeah, you can get Quentin Nelson to do it just by the fear of God into everybody, <laughs> but you need that just strong leader presence. I mean, even watching Hard Knocks, you didn't see, I mean, Carson Wentz was like, when post game, like, you know, huddles and everything, he was kind of just lingering around in there sometimes, unless he had a good game. And then he was right there front and center. But even after, after losses, he wasn't front and center. You know, you need that guy that's going to step up like that consistently, no matter what the outcome of the game is. So I think that's, that's what you get with Matt Ryan. And I'm, I'm actually really excited. And the fact that we got a guy that's not requesting a trade, he's not being forced. He wasn't forced out of Atlanta. Atlanta yeah. honestly traded him because they want something better for him because they know they are going into a complete and total rebuild. Very they also, they also know that the quarterback class next year is very strong. So it doesn't matter. They, yeah, and then they signed Marcus Mariota. So they know that, like, look, we're going to be most likely picking within the top five. We got a quarterback here that is a good quarterback that needs a chance to win again. And we're not going to give that to him. So, yes, let's move him on. So we set ourselves up even better for the draft next year. Very and, similar to what the, the Lions did with Stafford last offseason. Yeah, but also the Lions asked for a King's ransom for him. Well, right. But I'm, I'm saying, as far as we, like getting. We said, we told the Falcons. We will give you the Washington Commanders third round pick. <laughs> You're like, okay. You want the second the second hand draft pick? Here, here you go. Yeah. Hand me down draft picks. So, um, I like the move. I love. I actually, I love the move. You know, we. I was afraid that like, when Ursay said all the chips in, I was like, he means I don't want to give up the future. I don't want to give up the future drafts and everything to go by in a guy like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Russell Wilson would be great, but he's right up there in age too. Yeah. I mean, he's 35, 34, 35. He's about my age. Um, so that's young, right? That's the, your age is young, right? No, we're that's... old as dirt. <laughs> I had my daughter asked me this, this evening, she comes up to me, touches my forehead. She goes, daddy, what are those? I called those are called wrinkles. <laughs> so yeah, it's, but yeah, I love I, I I'm excited about this because yeah. I now I think because if they would have brought in Baker Mayfield, I don't think like you're gonna be you, I don't think you would have some wide receiver free agents wanting to come here. Matt Ryan, that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we wrap up, I do realize that we skipped a, a take. Um, I realized when I was talking about Carson Wentz that I was like, oh yeah, we had a take about Washington. We won't get into the full weeds here. Uh, but the take was uh, Washington will win nine uh, or more games with wins this season. I said hot just because, I mean, they won seven games with Ty, Ty, uh, Tyler Heineke last season and, and playing the NFC. So I'm going to sure. say hot. I'm going to say hot too, because he has a better receiving core. No, not really though. I mean, I mean, he's got Terry McLaurin okay. and it's, it's basically the discount Colts. The defense isn't as good. Yeah. The running back isn't as good. You have Antonio Gibson, which I mean is good, but not as good as Jonathan Taylor. And you've got a receiving receiving stats that were similar where he had TJ McLaurin have a thousand yards and the next closest had 300 kind of like but with now he's gonna Michael. he's gonna play in the division that nobody ever wants to win right so I mean he's gonna he's gonna play kind of with a you know a fire under him too because he's playing in the division he used to be in as well yeah so and now he actually gets the he gets to come back to Indy yes he comes back year. to Indy and Philly so that'll be the uh, Carson Wentz uh, revenge tour yeah 
Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all, whether you were, uh, you know, in the Twitch chat, Sound Barrier in here on Twitch, uh, you have, um, you know, the YouTube channel as well. Um, if you were watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button or over on the, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We uh, love having you guys here. Um, we are either going to do a little something next week. We're not quite sure what's that gonna, what that's going to entail because B. Scott uh, will be off. And so I uh, it'll maybe be a little something, maybe not be. Uh, but we definitely will be back in a couple of weeks uh, to get into the weeds because it's almost baseball season. A lot of a lot of craziness. I'm about to unfold in April and May like it always does. So make sure you're locked into that. Uh, Remember that you can uh, like us on Facebook, 3C Media. You can follow us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Um, Like I said, go subscribe to the YouTube. Go check out the TikTok. Um, And remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course podcast. You can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. We've got the uh, last, uh, at least for this year, Who's Your High School Huddle coming up on Friday. So make sure you're locked into that. It's going to be a lot of fun. State finals this weekend. A lot of great sports coming up. So make sure you're locked in everywhere. And we will see you guys all in episode 186. Have, have a good one, everybody.